on this episode of EdScoop's Cutting Edge podcast from Scoop News Group. Embracing generative AI with a contest for creative ideas at Lehigh University. This is EdScoop's Cutting Edge podcast. Every other Tuesday, we dive deep with decision makers on what's next in higher education IT and online learning. I'm your host, Jake Williams. While some states, cities, and universities are approaching generative AI with bans and reluctance, Lehigh University is taking a different approach. The university hosted a contest to encourage anyone across the community to submit their ideas on creative uses of the tech in the classroom. Two professors in the theater department won the contest. Nathan Urban is the provost and vice president for academic affairs at Lehigh University. He tells EdScoop's Skylar Rispens how the contest got started. I mean, it was at a time when uh, there was a lot of interest in generative AI, and, and um, we had been having some discussions on it across campus. Um, and I wanted to encourage uh, faculty, staff, students to have to to get a better understanding of what it was all about, what it could do, uh, what it couldn't do, what some of the the problems with it were, and um, and I and I thought it was important for us to do this. I mean, in an educational context, um, to uh, this is a tool that is not going to go away. It's only going to um, change, improve in some ways, I'm sure. Um, and so I thought it would be valuable to get people to, to try it out, to engage, and to think carefully and creatively about ways in which it might actually have an impact on, on what they were doing, on the way that they were teaching. And it was a contest that was open so that... Um, uh, staff members who might see a potential use for generative AI um, in the work that they do were also eligible. So it was a really a kind of a, just a, a wide open uh, contest to see what it, what creative ideas would come up if people were, you know spent a little bit of time trying to figure this thing out. Yeah, and I'm curious at the time that you ran the um, contest, was there a formal policy regarding the use of AI at the university? There was not. I mean, the one thing that I said, I think it was in the same message, was that I thought it was critical that in the classroom, faculty um, have a conversation about their expectations about the use of generative AI um, so that students could understand what was expected of them. In some cases, I'm sure faculty said, you know, stay away, don't use it. In other cases, I know that faculty said, you know, for this assignment, I want you to use it in the following way. And for other assignments, you know, uh, you know, use it as as you like, um, and you know. So there was a wide range of things that were happening across campus. But I thought that the thing that was really important was that in a given class for a given assignment, there's a conversation about what would be an appropriate use and what would be an inappropriate use, just so that there were no surprises. Certainly, and one thing uh, that was interesting to me um, as a tech reporter was that the faculty members that won the um, contest that you ran. Um, we're actually in the theater department. And I don't think a lot of people are quite used to thinking about the practical applications of AI in more art art settings like that. Um, what were your impressions about their project and their pitch? And um, why do you think that they came out on top in the contest? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I will say that I was also surprised. I was expecting, I had conversations with people who were using generative AI in the classroom to help students write code uh, to do a variety of different things on a more technical side. Um, but I think that the, um, the the faculty from the theater department who you know, did this you know, found some interesting creative ways in which students could be encouraged to make use of these tools. Um, 
uh, you know, to really, in some cases, spur creativity and to look at the difference between uh, what we normally think of as creative output and what was being generated by these algorithms. Yeah, certainly. Um, I'm curious how um, how has the contest and the, the more that you've explored AI, um, AI or a uses of AI on university campuses, um, have you guys developed a formal policy um, campus wide, and how has the um, contest influenced that policy? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's the formal policy. It still is essentially that um, you know a faculty member in, in, in an individual classroom can make a decision about how it is that AI should be used or generative AI in particular should be used within the context of that work, and that they should explain that to students and and ideally explain to students not just to say what the policy is, but to say why the that policy makes sense for that course given the objectives of that course. In a course where someone is trying to uh, teach students you know, the basics of coding, you don't want them taking the shortcut uh, all the time to see, you know, to, to generate all the code using generative AI. But um, it may be that, you know, that can be kind of a useful standard against which to judge um, code written by, by students in the class. So, so the formal policy is just primarily that it should be discussed uh, and that it should be um, clear to everyone when it's what's acceptable use and what's not. The other thing I would say, and this also doesn't fall under policy, but I think it's important to articulate, is that you know there's a um, uh, there's important to have discussion around kind of the biases intrinsic to these kinds of tools. Um, and I think that uh, you know I, I talk about it sometimes is we want to teach students to use these things effectively and ethically. Um, and I think that you know both of those are are equally important in understanding how it is that these tools um, are are generating the content that they're generating helps us to understand what the biases might be and and why it is that they're there. At the recent Buck, Bucknell President's Dinner, some university presidents referred to generative AI as the greatest existential threat to higher education today, whereas your university is encouraging students, faculty, and staff to use it as a tool to better prepare students for the future. Can you explain why you've taken that approach when other universities might be grappling with how to handle that technology on their campuses? Yeah, I mean, I guess in part, it's simply a belief that this is going to be a tool that gets used broadly. Um, and if it's a tool that's going to be used broadly, we want to make sure that it's available to Lehigh students, that they know how to use it, that they know how to use it ethically. Um, I don't think we can can run away from it. Um, and I agree that it is um, in some ways uh, you know, scary, that it does introduce questions about um, how it is that we'll evaluate work, how it is that we, what it is that we are doing, teaching to do, students to do certain kinds of tasks if if a tool like generative AI can do it already. You know, and, I, and I think that it's it's important to recognize that in some ways, this isn't the first time that we've had uh, you know, a, a similar challenge. I think this one is different and this one's more extreme, but there are many cases in which something that has been taught has become uh, over time obsolete, obsolete because it can be done by something else um, or obsolete because that knowledge is no longer as useful or that skill is no longer as useful as it once was. And I think that the greatest um, existential threat to higher education is 
um, our inability or our slowness in changing and adapting to things that are in the world um, and the way the world is. And so I think I'm, I'm much more worried if we don't look for ways to um, effectively and ethically incorporate it into what we do and the way that we teach rather than um, if we do. If other university leaders are struggling to see past the scariness and are you know a little bit wary of the practical applications of it, what would you recommend um, are some useful tools and useful ways that artificial intelligence can be used um, in higher education settings? I, mean, I think there are many ways that it has potential to be used. You know, I think about um, analogies to other other you know, parts of of our lives. Um, you know, I've said that um, if Netflix can use algorithms, artificial intelligence kinds of algorithms, to decide what movie I might want to watch we within higher education should be able to use similar kinds of approaches to make recommendations about what courses students might take or what activities students might engage in that would foster their education. So I think there, there are many ways in which we as a university can customize the and, and make more clear to students the path through the university uh, using tools like, like artificial intelligence and machine learning sorts of tools. I think that we're really at the beginning of this and compared to many other parts of our lives, um, you know, higher education is not doing a lot of this yet. I think we, we need to look at it. We need to be careful about it because uh, there, there can be concerns, but using tools that help students, help students navigate uh, through the university. Universities are complicated places. Uh, you know, there are lots of kind of dead ends and, and um, uh, there are lots of ways in which students can get um, confused or lost in their path through the university. If we want students to, to find a good path through the university, we want them to graduate in four years, we want them to graduate with the skills that they need to be successful in the rest of their life, we want to use all the tools at our disposal. And so certainly data, artificial intelligence, machine learning are some of those tools. Um, one of the other ongoing conversations about AI on college campuses is this conversation about um, cheating and how to handle, like how to define what cheating looks like and then how to one address it. And um, I guess also how to identify it. Um, are there, have there been any instances at your university that you have run into students misusing these tools and how would you handle that? Sure. I mean, there have been a few and uh, they've been handled by our standard kind of ac academic integrity process. So there's a kind of an evaluation that's made. Um, and I think that, um, you know, for the most part, we let individual faculty members define what constitutes cheating in the context of their class. You know, I have given exams that I've, I've called, you know, open book, open world exams, where, where students can access whatever tools, whatever information that's out there in the world that they want while taking that exam. Um, and, you know, so in that context, uh, you know, that changes the, the description of what would constitute cheating in such a class. Similarly, we have students working on team projects where collaboration, talking to, to others, you know, working together to solve a problem is the intent. In other classes, you know, that, that would constitute cheating. That would be an academic integrity issue. So we really need to make sure that faculty are clear to students about what it is that the goal of a particular assignment or a particular assessment is. Um, and then also make sure that um, 
they uh, you know, communicate that to students and that, that they communicate the why. Why it is that given what they're trying to teach students, given what they're wanting students to learn in a particular context, why it is that you know, we, we impose certain constraints on what students can, what tools or what resources students can use. I think when you explain the why, when you give students that background as to why it is that you know, they shouldn't be using you know, everything that's potentially at their disposal to complete a certain assignment, in the vast majority of cases, they, they appreciate that and they, they understand it and they do the right thing. Absolutely. Um, in your message to the campus last year about ChatGPT, you noted that it would be short-sighted to ban AI tools. What advice would you give to universities that are taking a more conservative approach to the technology on their campuses? Um, I don't know if this constitutes advice exactly, but I would say that um, it will be very difficult to um, kind of equitably enforce these kinds of bans. Um, I think uh, you're going to, if, if you try to ban it and try and detect it using one system or another, my sense is that the technology is going to uh, move quickly enough that all of these detection technologies at one point or another will become ineffective. Um, and so I just think that rather than thinking about how to stop this from happening globally, you know, really it's important to have the conversation across campus with faculty and with students about about how it is that we are trying to create an environment in which students can learn, develop skills, develop intellectually, um, and um, to some extent, you know, then have some trust of students uh, to, to do the right thing and to um, kind of limit or restrict uh, their use of these kinds of tools when that's important to the learning experience. Absolutely. And um, one of the last questions that I have for you today is, um, from your perspective as a provost, do you think it would be more helpful um, for agencies um, within the White House or within the um, Department of Education to offer guidance on the use of AI in higher education? Or do you think that that should be more of a university by university approach? I mean, I think guidance from you know, experts, whether that's, you know, the White House or Department of Education, or whether that's from OpenAI, um, guidance about these kinds of things so that people who are not necessarily as, as, you know, deeply knowledgeable about the limitations and some of the concerns um, can, can look to expert and trusted sources to, you know, to develop a better understanding of that. I think guidance is, is great, it's, it's helpful. Um, I think discussions within higher education, um, discussions between provosts, between, uh, pre pro, uh, with presidents, et cetera, I mean, very valuable. Faculty conversations you know, across campuses, really valuable to understand how it is that these things should be used and, and when it makes sense to put restrictions on them. Um, I think it's, I think things are moving quickly enough that it would be really hard to have any kind of uh, stronger policy than guidance and kind of education and information. Um, is there anything else that you think um, would be important for people to know about the way that your university is approaching AI on campus or um, any other insights in the higher education field on this technology? Sure. I, mean, I think it's it's also important, in addition to everything that we've been talking about, it's important to have conversations with and, and to engage with um, employers uh, about these topics. I think it's in some domains, in some fields, uh, there will be 
uh, you know, guidelines and and um, expectations around the use of these tools. Um, in some cases, those expectations may be, you know, use them as much as you want or use them to do the best possible work. In other fields, um, you know, there may be concerns about copyright infringement. There may be concerns about the fact that when you put text into many of these tools, you know, elements of that text can then appear to, for someone else. Um, you know, the, it contributes to this overall body of knowledge. And so, you know, from the standpoint of sharing of, of trade secret information or protected information, personal information, I think that's, you know, that's a concern that we want to make sure that gets addressed. Um, and so I think the, the dialogue between universities and employers is another important element of this to make sure that we are kind of tracking the, some of the concerns and some of the um, opportunities that future employers of our students see for these kinds of tools and their use in different domains um, in different sectors of the economy. Nathan Urban, Provost and Vice President for Academic Affairs at Lehigh University. You can read more about him and generative AI at edscoop.com and in links in today's show notes. The Cutting Edge Podcast is available at cuttingedgepodcast.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. This show is a Scoop News Group production. Carlin Fisher and Adam Butler help make it happen, and the entire team contributes. Until next time, I'm Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.